Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Well, good morning everybody. Good morning, good morning. Isn't this wonderful to witness and to celebrate together with those people that have been water baptized the new things that Jesus is doing in their hearts and lives. Amen to that. To me, water baptism is a beautiful picture of the gospel. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel, symbolic of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. The book of Romans speaks about us having died together with Christ, being buried with Christ, and then being raised from the dead with Christ. That's what the baptism is all about. How many of you know Jesus launched his three and a half year ministry after he was water baptized? There's something profoundly powerful in water baptism. And it's something the enemy hates because it all points to Jesus. Now this morning for the next 10, 15 minutes, we're making a slight tweak And I'm going to just be sharing with you about the gospel. Paul writes to Timothy and he speaks about the gospel being a glorious gospel. It's not just something ordinary. He defines and describes it as a glorious gospel. And my heart is that every single believer, those that have named the name of Jesus and say, I do to you and have committed their lives to him, would have an ongoing and deeper understanding of the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom, when it grips our hearts, you'll never be the same again. If you look at the early church, what catapulted them to change the whole then known world was a burning within their hearts of the knowledge of what the gospel is all about. And it's not a gospel of healing or prosperity, but it's a gospel of the kingdom that includes all of that. And the gospel of the kingdom is there is a king, and his name is Jesus. And he needs to be enthroned in our hearts, and self needs to be dethroned. And when self is dethroned, and Christ is enthroned, you're never the same again. Now, what I'd like to do is read to you a beautiful portion from the book of Romans, chapter 5. And I'd like to read it from verse 6 onwards. Uh, Mark, my apologies to you at the back with the AV. There's been a slight change. All that I gave you earlier on is changed. (laughs) All right. Could I maybe move this up a bit? I can see Now, as I read this portion of the scripture, you might have read it a thousand times. But I say, whenever you read the Bible, read it as if it's the very first time you read it. And when you read the Bible, always read it with faith in your hearts, because it's faith that you mix with the scripture that impacts your life. Because otherwise, if you just read it, you don't mix faith with it, it doesn't change you. Now, in verse 6 of Romans chapter 5, Paul writes, he says, you see at, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for the ungodly. 
Verse 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. Look at verse 8. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9, since we have been now justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Verse 10, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only in this, sir, but we also rejoice in God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Beautiful portion of scripture. What I've done over the years, every verse to do with the gospel, I've written them down and I've endeavored to try to commit to memory and I've endeavored to look at different translations. But I'd just like to take the word gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L, and just give you a few little handles. See, the gospel, the G, is all about God. The gospel is all about God and Him reaching out to a sinful humanity that turned their back on Him in the Garden of Eden. The gospel is all about God coming down to humanity to say, I want us to start all over again. And I want to have a relationship with you where we can walk and talk together. I'm not here to give a religion, but a relationship. I was speaking to a guy yesterday named Etienne. Lovely guy, I played squash with him. And he heard I was a pastor. So he said, what do you actually do? So I said, well, I, I was you here and then you're not here. So I said, visit other churches and encourage them and help them. And he says, I'm a believer too. So I said, that's great. What do you believe? And it's interesting. People call themselves believers, but they believe all sorts of weird and wonderful things instead of the gospel. So he says, no, no I believe in reincarnation. So I said, that's interesting. So I said, tell me more of what you're learning at this particular stage in your reincarnation. So he looked at me and he never asked that question. So he said, no, when I learn the lesson, I get upgraded. So I said, that's interesting. In your last life, what did you learn to be upgraded or were you downgraded? Because if it's all about learning life on this plane and then either moving up or down, can, can't you remember the lesson from the last life? And as we began to chat, he began to see that what he was believing had no foundation. Because the Bible says there's only one foundation that has been laid, that is Jesus Christ. And it's upon him and the rock that we lay our life that we know who we are. And we're not moving from this so-called sphere to this. No, no, it's a personal relationship with Jesus. Yesterday afternoon, I went for a cycle and I just looked for people to chat to and I found a lovely lady called Paris. I found out she's a Greek Orthodox. And I didn't know too much about Greek, Greek Orthodoxy until we got chatting and she said, tomorrow's a big day for us. So I said, tell me more. So she says, no, we're celebrating our Easter. And I thought, well, we had ours a little while ago. She says, no, it's Easter and I've been fasting and we're going to take the elements. So I said, that's wonderful. What are you expecting 
Jesus to do when you take those elements? You know what? She didn't have any expectation whatsoever. She said, we just, we just take it year in and year out. So I said, don't you have a relationship? And as I began to probe a bit more, she was holding so tightly to religion, she never had that personal relationship. So as we began to chat, I said to her, you know, when you take communion today, I want you to look at those emblems and say, Jesus, I acknowledge that you died on the cross for me. You shed your blood for me. You gave your body for me. And today, I do surrender all to you. And we sat on the bench. We chatted. We prayed. It was such a cool moment. Got on my bike and said, Lord, who's next? Who's next? Just drive and go look for people just to love and encourage. See, the gospel's all about God. And we make it about man. We make it about buildings. It's about God and God coming down to man to rescue us, to save us, and to bring us into a relationship with him. That's what the gospel's all about. It's all about God. Let's not start off with ourselves. Start off with God. How much he loves us. How much he cares for us. How passionate he is about us. He loves us so much. The Bible says he doesn't ever take his eyes off us. When we're sleeping, Bible says in the Psalms, he who watches over us never slumbers or sleeps. He doesn't even blink when he's watching you. How's that for love and for care? Gospel, God. Then secondly, our sin. See, that's the problem. When Adam did his own thing, that domino effect throughout humanity has caused the problems in this world. When I look at Syria and I look at the refugees and I look at all the pain and the hurt in this world, it's all because of sin, man's willful disobedience to God's word. But there was another man called Jesus who in Garden of Gethsemane said, not my will, but his will be done. Through Adam's disobedience, sin came into the world, but through Jesus' obedience to the Father, redemption comes which means we can enter in to a relationship with him. The S of the gospel is that God spared not his only son. He could have blotted out humanity and said, well, let's start again. He could have, he could have done other things, but he said, no, humanity that's made in my image and likeness, that have fallen out of relationship with us, who shall I send? Book of Isaiah. And Jesus said, I will go. I will go as the sinless Lamb of God and take upon the sin of the world to reconcile us back, to be able to call God Father, to be able to call Him Daddy, to be able to call Him Abba. Jesus paid the price. The Bible speaks in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that, that, that he gave us all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. Jesus paid for our sin that we don't have to pay for anything, but we've got to receive it by faith, the forgiveness of our sins. So often we try to earn, we try to work, we try to perform. I was speaking to, to Arnie, another friend of mine, he's Jewish. He's Jewish, a wonderful guy. He's 80 years old. I play squash with him. And, <laughs> and we each have a turn to win. <laughs> he loves it. Eh? <laughs> it is so cool. 
And with his sort of loss of memory and my dyslexia, you must see how the points, they go up, they go down, they go up, they go down. And eventually I get tired and say, Arnie, you won. He goes, great, high five. And then we go for it. <laughs> we have fun together. I'll show you a picture. But yeah, Chaddy, well, he's Jewish. And he's been going to synagogue all his life. I said, Arnie, have you ever experienced Yeshua, Messiah's love? He says, no, Wally. I said, that's the heart of the gospel. God so loved. God so loved. And I said, Arnie, would you like me to pray for Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, to reveal his love to you? And instead of his tears started welling up in his eyes, in a little distance with some of his other mates, and it was, I couldn't, I was so much as I wanted to, I realized it wasn't the moment. So this next week, we're going to have time for some coffee and just to, to share with him a little more. And he's on a beautiful journey to discover the one whom they pierced. He paid the price. We've got to learn to receive what he did for us. When he said it was finished, he meant it. And so often we think we can add to it by human efforts. The Bible says, by grace you're saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. He paid the price. The E of the gospel is that we could experience it. See, a lot of people have a knowledge of it, but they don't have the experience of it. And the experience of it is where you know that you know that you know. Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are children, that we are sons and daughters. I love to ask people the question, do you know Jesus? Do you have that personal relationship? Are you going to heaven one day? And they said, I hope so, or I think so. I said, you can move the hope and a think to a no-so. And the no-so comes with a fully surrender to him. It's, it's giving all. It's giving all. It starts off by giving all, and as you walk together with him, there's the onward giving. My wife and I have been married 33 years. When I said, I do, at the altar, I meant all of myself. So did she. But how many of you know, over those years, there's a, there's a giving of more and more and more, and your lives become meshed, and they become one with each other. When you say, I do to Jesus, you're saying, Lord, I don't want to live for me anymore. I want to live for you. And I want to experience your forgiveness. The removal of shame and the stain of sin. That you know that you're righteous in his eyes. That you know that you're loved by him. That you've been accepted by him. Those are heart truths that help you to walk together with him. That you walk together with him. And there's an experiencing by the Holy Spirit. There's an experiencing of his presence. Because Jesus said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And there's a wonderful knowing of his presence. And that's what he wants to do when you enter in to that relationship with him that's meaningful, real, and life-changing. The, the G is God. The O is our sin. The S is he spared not. The P is he paid the E is experiencing. The L is life. It's not just physical life. It's a spiritual life. 
that wherever you go, you're enjoying sweet, intimate communion with Him. It's in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, it says, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. It's 24-7. In every waking moment, in every breath that you breathe, wherever you go, whatever you do, it's that oneness of relationship with Him. You know, so often we're more conscious of sin, more conscious of the devil, more conscious of ourselves than conscious of God. But when you enter into it, you become, wow, God, wow, Jesus. Whenever I, I look at the mountain, I go, whoa, God. Genesis, you spoke, and there it was. I look at the Atlantic Ocean, I say, God, it's in the palm of your hand. When I look at the multitude of people, I say, made in your image and likeness. See, when you become conscious of God, you begin to fear him and not fear man. You become awe of him and overwhelmed by him. See, sadly, so many people have got religion, not relationships. And religion is do more, try harder, X, Y, and Z. Somebody once said, religion is what's left behind when God has moved on. Religion is what's left behind when God has moved on. And often people think it's, it's all about the building. I remember visiting my dad in Germany a number of years ago, and, and, and they just took, us, took me to all these cathedrals. And wow, look at the architecture. And the thought, God, you've moved on. God, you've moved on. But the question to you this morning as I conclude, does the gospel burn in your heart? Do you need to sit again at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I want to begin to so appreciate the greatness of the salvation with which you've saved me. Lord, I want my heart to be overwhelmed afresh with the enormity of your love for me with knowing my sins have been forgiven, that you remember them no more. That Jesus, you said you'd be with me to the very ends of the age. I'm busy walking with two people and preparing them for eternity. They're both terminally ill. Not the coolest of things one has to do. But as I'm journeying together with them, sharing with them that we don't know when, because the Bible says... Our breath and our life is in his hands. But I'm saying to them, when you close your eyes here, you're going to open your eyes and see the most beautiful face that you have ever, ever, could ever imagine. The Bible says in the book of Haggai, he's the desire of all nations. His beauty in the earth. The Bible says he, he, there wasn't anything we should be attracted to him, but in heaven, it's a totally different picture. Everybody, we just bow down and worship him. Say, so Dave, you know, I've got to live by faith. One day it's for you, it's just face to face. I've got to live by, I've got to wrestle with feelings and temptations and struggles in life. There's no more there. I said, Dave, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to give Jesus a personalized Pierce Wally message. That when you see him first, which there's a great possibility is I want you to tell him how much I love him and I want to live the rest of my life to the best of my ability empowered by the Holy Spirit loving and living for him and I said Dave how are we going to reach your family that in your death life can come and so we've got a strategy how to do that 
And it's so exciting. So I'm giving him hope on earth and a hope in eternity. But do you have that hope here? Do you have that hope here? Are you just existing or living? Do you have religion or do you have a growing relationship that's two-way? It's two-way. Relationship is two-way. If it's one way, you've got religion. If it's two-way, it's a relationship. And I want to encourage you to deepen it. Don't be content with just where you are. Deepen it through the place of being fully surrendered. I'm going to ask you this morning, wherever you are, many are, I don't know, I've just met some of you this morning, and it's been a, a joy and a delight to meet you. But my greatest concern is your response to the gospel. That's my greatest concern. Two weeks ago, my wife and I watched that movie called Risen. Beautiful movie of the centurion and his quest and search for truth. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Sure, now we're passing tissues to each other. We're just, I'm done. I was so bursting when I came out of that movie house. The first person I went to was a lady selling the tickets. I said, have you seen the movie? She says, no, I haven't. I said, let me give you a preview of the movie. Shared it with her, pray together with her. And then I just, God, where, where? People need to know he's risen from the dead. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. But, but is he alive and real in your heart? Is he alive and real in your heart? Or is it just a, a traditional thing you do? Now this morning, you might have said yes to Jesus in the past. But is that yes burning in your heart? Is that yes with an exclamation mark or a question mark? It's got to be an exclamation mark. And this morning, I'd like to give you that opportunity as we close. With every head up, every eye open. Some of you have made commitments to Christ. But this morning is an opportunity to make either a first-time commitment or to deepen that commitment that it counts. Life's too short to mess around with life. I've looked at my diary and I've worked out how many Sundays I've got left, how many days I've got left if I live to 65, 75, 85. I've worked it out. I've, I've worked it out and I want to make each one count. Life's too short. Life's too short. But what about your life? Some of, I've lived more than half. I'm on the downhill. Downhill you go faster. But I want to make each one count. What about your life? Are you making it count for the king? That's the gospel. It's the king. He's on the throne in heaven. Is he on the throne in your life? This morning, if you want to make a first-time commitment or a commitment that counts, I want you to stand to your feet and I'm going to pray for you. If you can't make a stand for Jesus with other fellow believers, you'll never make a stand out there in the world. And we want to be a rugged, robust, radical, committed for Christ. I'm going to have a sip of water while I give you 30 seconds to ponder eternity. Now, those that are standing, I take it you've been moved by the Spirit, not by me. I take it that you want your life to count now like never before.
I would ask you if you could just raise your hand to say in surrender to him. If you would pray after me, Jesus, today, right now, I acknowledge and declare you to be king, to be Lord of my life, self-dethroned and Christ-enthroned. Jesus, I want my life to count for you. Every day, every week, every month, every year, every breath for you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, empower me now to live for Jesus, to follow him with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.